It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. You can thank me later. Download the Alive Podcast app for free or subscribe for $20 for six months to experience ad-free listening. Even though they were part of the community, but they would always single out the trans. And I felt like if I was to question myself in a, in a way, I would be singled out. You know, I always feel like trans as a whole is the outsider of the LGBTQ plus community. The bi's don't want us. The lesbians don't see us as equals. The gays don't even see me as equals sometimes. Welcome to Sex and Color, the show featuring all things sex and sexual wellness from BIPOC voices in the field. I'm your host, Adriel Collins. I'm an LPC, sex therapist, coach, educator, struggling PhD student, and a self-proclaimed sex nerd. I'm also the owner of Melanin Sex Therapy in Dallas, Texas. I am very excited to have today's guest on. A little bit of background about how I found this guest. I have insomnia really bad, y'all. I'm talking about like really, really bad. And when I can't sleep, I'm sure like it's not the healthiest thing to do. As a therapist, I do not co-sign this, but (laughs) it's what I do. I like to go on Instagram and scroll on Instagram um, and just try to find people to come on the show and to talk about their lives and anything related to sex and sexual wellness and how being a person of color impacts how they show up as a sexual person or what they do. And so I was scrolling through Instagram uh, at two o'clock, like most normal healthy people do. And I came across this person's profile and I was really intrigued and I felt like this person, I needed to talk to this person because I had never came across a profile like his, and I feel like he has an amazing story, and I feel like his story can be helpful and beneficial to a lot of people out there. So my guest today is Jamie Jamison. So Jamie lives in Chicago currently, but he was born in Asia and raised in Germany and the U.S., So he has many different views and perspectives from all over the place. So not only is he an Asian man, but he has a multicultural worldview. And Jamie is also an Asian trans man. And this is why I wanted him to come on and talk about that experience of being an Asian trans man and what what it's like for him. And so I'm really excited that he responded to my random DM at 2 a.m. in the morning from a stranger in Dallas, Texas. And I am so excited that he's here today. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So can you tell us uh, a little bit about like your journey transitioning, um, coming out? Coming out, I think socially coming out, I mean, I have never really identified as anything other than me. I used to um, hang out with a lot of 
lesbians and they of course categorize me as such but if you would ask me in person back then I'd be like I'm just me I'm just Jamie like I can't explain to you like the word lesbian doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me you know mm-hmm. I, I don't identify as that like I'm just me and I remember one time I had a best friend at the time and I was trying to I was trying to explain to her how I felt I didn't have the right vocabulary to be like hey I'm trans like I feel like I'm trapped in this body and her response was you're a lesbian like don't even worry about it you're a lesbian I'm just like but I'm not though like I don't feel right what age did you know like you didn't feel at home in in your body you know when I was probably like between the age of two and four there was an instant when my mom came back to Thailand to get us ready uh to move to Germany and she was like if if you wear this pink skirt I will take you to the amusement park (laughs) and I was not having it I cried kicked and screamed for a solid two hours I think and my aunts and uncles still joked about it um but she gave in and then also uh I asked my mom if if I could address her or have them address me as you know a like a in every language there is like a male and female like how you approach like a male and female how you talk to them mm-hmm. and in Thai there isn't really like a way to talk to a guy or a girl but at certain uh context you would refer to me as a girl whereas like a normal conversation you would just be jamie i don't know if that makes sense but that's like the thai language in itself mm-hmm. um so i was like why can you tell call me this instead of that like i really want to be a monk for you because you know you gave birth to me and you raised me and i that's like the ultimate thank you and she's like honey you can't become a monk you're a girl you can wear like a white robe you can't wear orange robe like but i want to wear the orange robe i want to um so that was uh two between two and four so when people tell me like kids don't understand what they're saying kids don't know how to feel like we do yeah i did i think like that is important for people to know and especially with everything that's going on and i know in my state in texas that's kind of like what they are trying to push is that kids are too young and they don't know what they're feeling. And this is being pushed upon them by some outside force or whatever. But it sounds like at an early age, like you confidently 100% knew what you were. Yes. So when I'm, I, I, I was born in Asia, I grew up in Europe. When my mom remarried, my current stepfather, who's an American, we decided to move to the U.S. That's how I ended up here. And my stepfather at that time did not understand me. He was more like a high society. He was a CEO of a company. And he, you know, of course, he couldn't have, quote unquote, a daughter that wasn't feminine. So (laughs) he would force me to go into adequate class he would force me into wearing like more feminine clothes and I was just I just felt so disgusted with myself to a point where I didn't eat I didn't I didn't understand why I felt the way that I did and and I just I tried to wear a skirt and I remember that day I just looked at myself and I just bawled my eyes out I was like this is not 
This is not me. And so as, as you got older and you moved out, you were saying that um, the word lesbian didn't resonate with you. And like, you've always just felt like Jamie. So like, what age did you find the language and like start to identify as trans? In my twenties, I'm 30, I'm 32 now. So in my twenties, to be honest, I was very scared because of, uh, the people that I, I was surrounded with, they were, even though they were part of the community, but they were always single out the trans. And I felt like if I was to question myself in a, in a way, I would be singled out. I always feel like trans as a whole is the outsider of the LGBTQ plus community. The bi's don't want us. The lesbians don't see us as equals. The gays don't even see me as equals sometimes. So I felt alone. I felt singled out, but I knew something was wrong. So I just kept trying to reject that part of myself. And I just feel like, okay, you're a lesbian, you're a lesbian. But then I, I would get into a relationship and I couldn't be intimate with them because I have gender dysphoria and I didn't understand what that was. And I didn't know what that was until I started researching and I started going to therapy and I was like, why do I feel like this? Why do I, why do I not identify with, you know, who, what, what I like my body. Um, so probably like my late twenties, um, I was also with a partner who was not supportive when I told her that I wanted to get top surgery. And oh. her response to me was, if I wanted to date a boy, I would have dated a boy. Yeah. That relationship ended about almost three years ago. Um, when that relationship ended, two months later, after talking to my therapist about transitioning and all this stuff, uh, for years, I finally made the phone call. I'm in Chicago, and Howard Brown is uh, was one of the starting place to start hormones or just to get your foot in the door and to get a better understanding of, you know, what you need. So I got a, a consultation with one of the care providers. And I think the next day he prescribed me tea and I started injecting myself. For those who don't know, tea is testosterone. So how did, how did that feel um, when you finally started hormones and you were finally kind of starting to transition? It was, to be honest with you, it was kind of surreal. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm trans. Like what does, and I still didn't understand what being trans actually meant until I didn't have anybody that I knew who was trans. I didn't have anybody that I could talk to that was on the journey that I was about to embark on, you know? So I literally had to do this by myself on my own research step-by-step step as I was going through. Um, I I knew I wanted to get top surgery because I just did not. If anything at that time in my mind was like, if anything needed to go, it was my chest. Um, it, it had a lot to do with like intimacy. I didn't feel like being touched. I didn't feel like, um, my body was my own. It wasn't my home. It wasn't my temple. You know, it was, it's just not me. Yeah. So I, um, once I started testosterone, I literally went Google, uh, and I looked up gender affirming care, or I looked up trans health care and a bunch of hospitals came up 
and I reached out to the four four main ones here in Chicago, uh, which was Rush Hospital, UIC Health, uh, University of Chicago, and Northwestern. Um, Dr. Rebecca Garza at the time was practicing out of um, University of Chicago, plastic surgery. She's now opened her own clinic in um, Hammond, Indiana to provide the same kind of care that she did uh, at the school. Um, yeah. So I got in with her and I, and I, she helped me a lot. She was my first stepping stone. Um, and I told her flat out, I was like, Dr. Garza, I have no idea what I'm here to see you for, but this is how I feel. And my therapist suggests that you could help me. And she walked me, she's very kind. She walked me through, she's like, you know, I see this a lot with kids who don't have the support system as a younger age that didn't have access to care that they needed. She did my top surgery after starting testosterone for about seven months. <laughs> what was that experience like going through that alone? Because that's pretty heavy and that's that's a lot. <laughs> to be honest with you, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Of course I would research, I was like, what's what the recovery was like, what, you know, what I needed to get done, what, um, everything was a learning process. It was a big learning curve for me. And luckily I have a really, really good healthcare uh, provider and a good team behind me at the time. And I still do. So combined with my therapist, my psychologist, and I have a second therapist that specializes just in transitioning and recovery and and other things when it comes to um, like trans health and then i have a regular therapist who i talk to about my daily struggles and work and you know so i i try to set myself up for success and i'm the kind of person that is very thorough when it comes to research and once i set my mind on doing something i will do it so when i got top surgery i felt great I was like, oh my God, this is me. And then my body started changing. I started working out. I started developing muscle. I was like, holy shit, this is this is like this is what it feels like to be happy in your own body. This is what it feels like to genuinely be happy to look at yourself. And shouts out to therapy. Like y'all go to therapy. Um if oh my you God, need yes. It. <laughs> yes, it saved my life. And I didn't even know I needed it. As most people don't, but like, that's what is always like the end result of therapy. And so what are some common misconceptions that, um, I know you spoke earlier, like you felt like trans people are the outsiders of the LGBTQ, um, plus community. And like, I've heard that before. And so can you talk a little bit more about that? And like, what are some misconceptions that, um, you've heard or you get as, as a trans man? The most recent one or the most that I've heard from myself that I'm speaking just from my personal experience is, um, when I go to the gym and some of the guys are actually, you know, most of the guys in my life are very, very cool and very understanding while there's sometimes I'm very naive to the journey that I'm going through. My best friend is a cis Hispanic guy, and he's been with me through my hysterectomy, through my top surgery, to bottom surgery, and he's still stuck beside me, and he's always wanting to learn, but not everybody's like that. Yeah. So when I go to the gym and I talk to some of my friends, they're like, bro, you just have to inject yourself, and you just fucking blew up. And I'm just looking at them like, 
what world do you live in? Like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I literally, you see me at the gym seven days a week. Yes, putting in that work. So, like, they think you're, like, on steroids or something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not a magic potion. Like, let me have some of that. I'm like, no, you stupid. You can't just inject yourself unknowingly. Like, your mood's going to swing. You're going to have all these sides effects. And they just think, oh, I'm just going to do, like, this much. And then I'm going to puff up like a balloon. I'm like, no, you idiot. <laughs> I like, but oh, but you can, but you're going to have the side effects and like, it's not going to be what you think it is. And then you're going to be upset. Exactly. And, and, um, and now like the, the dating, like dating as a trans guy is terrible. I'm sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> what are you apologizing for? These are the facts. These are your reality. <laughs> Yeah. In the beginning, it was very bad. Like, um, when we previously talked, like I told, you know, we were saying like, I went on a date prior to bottom surgery. I still had gender dysphoria. I still had body dysphoria. So I couldn't even bring myself up to kiss the girl. <laughs> and then she ghosted me. I was like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> and I was like, why am I explaining to this stranger that I had body dysphoria and her present was just like overwhelming to me that I just froze. Like, I don't understand. So I was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm not gonna date until I'm done with bottom surgery. I'm not gonna do anything at all. So when I started my bottom surgery journey, I get hit on by a lot of gay men. So when they really? find out, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, a lot in my DMs, in my Instagram, <laughs> it's like full of gay men. Tell me more about that. <laughs> it's it's flattering, you know, to have the 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 same sex like mm -hmm. find you attractive because I was just like I don't know where I stand. I have no baseline to compare it to. I can be I can look at my cousins and my uncle and like would I look like that? But no, really I don't. So to have all these men just cat calling you over the internet it's just funny and helps my self-esteem too for some reason i mean as it should as it should um everybody <laughs> likes when people slide into their dm dms and like tries to hit, i know i do like that's good for my self-esteem um even though some of these dudes that slide into my dms are like not it but <laughs> <laughs> but no like then they realize they're like then they go further down my page they're like oh shit you're trans i was like what did you expect like you if you didn't post if you didn't like advertise that you are like i wouldn't even know and i'm thinking in my head isn't that the whole point, point. Of yeah so do you ever get like chasers like gay men that like specifically go after you just because you're trans i have not um and i tell them flat out i'm like it's very flattering that you find me so attractive and you just you know want to do whatever x y and z that you just told me but i prefer women <laughs> I, I i love women i prefer women and i'm sorry <laughs> that's it yeah so out of the dms you go yep yes yep <laughs> so since you've had bottom surgery like how is dating and relationships for you now it was it's good um I honestly transitioned all alone. Bottom surgery was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I've been in the military, I've gone to war, I've gotten hurt, and this by far is the most painful thing I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. I know I just asked you a question, but like I want to get into um, bottom surgery and can you, um, as comfortable as you feel, can like you speak to that and like 
tell people like what that process looks like and and all of that? Yeah. So typically it depends on the surgeon. So with trans healthcare being so new, there's no real baseline guidelines that the surgeons go to. So if you uh go to northwestern which where i'm at dr jordan has three stages where she does phalloplasty you can have the phalloplasty is actually where you get a natural normal sized penis Mm -hmm. versus the i think they call it neo penis where they just make the clit a little bigger uh you can't necessarily penetrate with that but some guys um don't want to lose too much sensation. So they opt out for that procedure. For me, it was just kind of like, if I'm going to go through all this pain, like might as well just go all in. You got the the full like penetrative penis. Sorry if that question yeah. is you. Yeah. No, okay. it's okay. Yeah. So I have uh, phalloplasty with the regular size uh, phallus. Um, the skin was taken from my forearm. The first stage that Dr. Jordan does, again, I can't stress this enough. Like, Every surgeon does the stages differently and does the surgeries differently and they space it out differently. Dr. Jordan, however, has done this millions of times and she actually did some residence in Thailand where at the time it was like the place to go to get bottom surgery for male and female. So for my first surgery, it was a 13 hour surgery. Um, I had already had a hysterectomy, so we didn't need to do any of that prior to that. But you do have to have a hysterectomy before you get bottom surgery, FYI. And you have to be on T for a year to be able to get T. I mean, to get phalloplasty. May I ask why you have to have a hysterectomy? Because they have to close the vaginal walls. That's what she did. She she made a phallus, hence they call it phalloplasty. But phalloplasty has different stages, different procedure. We got phalloplasty. We got uh, urethroplasty, which is forming the urethra, connecting the urethra that is already there with the new one so that I can stand to pee. Uh, Scoroplasty is the construction of the ball sacs so that the testicles can sit in it. Um, I think they call it a vaginal plasty, not vaginal plasty, but vaginal sectomy or something like that. So it's called where they close the vaginal walls up. And this was a 13, that sounds very painful by the way. I was actually really numb. So I woke of up. Of course. <laughs> I was so drugged out. My friend, okay, so I scared the living daylights out of my friends, two of my best friends, because um, so I called. I was like, so how long is this surgery going to be? And then the operator was like, oh, it looks like they only booked it for the maximum amount, which is eight hours. I was like, oh, yeah, guys, it's going to be like an eight hour surgery. Uh, I'm going to be in the hospital. It ended up being a 13 hour surgery, and they oh. thought I was dead. <laughs> Oh, wow. So why did it end up being 13 hours? It just, it just happens like that or? Uh, no. So Dr. Jordan afterwards told me, Dr. Jordan is the plastic surgeon. Dr. Bowen is my urologist and they always work together um, hand in hand when it comes to gender affirming surgery, regardless if I'm having my urethra being constructed or anything, you know, both of them are going to be there. Um, not every surgeon works like that, but Northwestern is, that's how they do it. Um, and that's how I like it. Yeah. So um, back to your question. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Why did it take so damn long? <laughs> oh, she had issue with the flap. Mm-hmm. Um, I opted out for the free arm flap 
which means that the donor site to make the penis comes from my forearm. And she has to take an artery because there's two main arteries on your arm. Mm -hmm. So she has to take a chunk out of my arm and take the arteries. And she couldn't uh, roll it quite right to attach it, per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that took her about two hours to get it right. Are you good with your results? I'm asking like hella personal questions. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. I feel like, you know, when I was going through um, through all of this and I was doing research, nobody wanted to talk about this. And I, it was an important question for me to make the decision that I needed to make. Mm -hmm. Had I known some of this stuff, I probably, I may or may not have gone the other way because there's different sites that she could have taken the skin from. Yeah. If she took the skin from my thigh, my phallus would have been bigger, thicker. But thicker, I mean, like thick, like he's got to be thick where <laughs> some people need a liposuction to make it smaller. Mm. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm picturing that in my brain right now. <laughs> yeah. Some of my guys, like some of the people that um, have reached out to me afterwards, when I started making my YouTube, when I started making TikToks and Instagram, they're like, yeah, dude, like it's too big. It's not even pleasurable. Cis men would love that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. Like, it's not always the way to go. Like, my surgeons gave me uh, a proportionate penis to my body. Like, she was like, "I'm not gonna give you a seven-inch ding when you're like five three. Like, come on." <laughs> so That's all I important. said was just. Well, it is important, but I, I told her, like, I just want the girth, you know, give me the girth certificate. Like, that's what I need. Yes, because <laughs> that's all that's important. So I cannot stress that enough, people. <laughs> she delivered. Ah, well, see, there you go. <laughs> but uh, the process is very um, long mm -hmm. to fully heal from phalloplasty from stage one to three. Mm -hmm. It's about three to four. No, four to five years. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a long time to like, and is that just like constant surgeries or checkups or what does that consist the of? First, the first two to three years, yes. Uh, the first year for me, after the initial phalloplasty, I was in the ICU for four days and I was in the regular room for probably another like four or five days and then I was home you need to have somebody to take care of you because you are literally bedridden. You have, you have bags, you have like a urine bag that you need to pee off from and you have a catheter that's in your phallus and then you have your arm wrap that's attached to the machine that sucks the moisture and the blood out from the arm where she took the skin and your body is just in shock because you just can't, like you, it doesn't know what you've done to it. How long were you, was the recovery for it? Uh, the recovery for stage one and two was about three and a half months. Two weeks after stage one, I had to get stage two. Otherwise the skin won't take. So it was literally transferring the skin from my leg to my arm. Cause then otherwise there would be a huge gap in my arm. What is stage three? Stage three, if some guys opt out for stage three, which is going to be the prosthetics, and there's two types of prosthetics. There is the the pump, which I am going to get um, once I'm done with all the complications and um, get everything fixed. 
it's gonna be about like a year, eight months to a year before I can get there because mm-hmm. I'm still having some complication with the urethra. Mm-hmm. And then the rod, where it's literally what it is. It's rod where you click it in place and then you go. So can you explain to people what the pump is and what what the rod is? Yeah, so the rod is essentially the geologist literally just shoves like a, I'm not sure what it's made of, um, but the 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 tip and kind of like it it moves but when you're so if you're soft quote unquote it kind of like sort of hangs down when you're ready to have some like intimacy time you push it up and you click it back it's like it's like clicking a gun almost and then it stays hard (laughs) yeah so that's the rod The, the the downsides to the rod is that it wears out the tip of your penis um, and it desensitizes really quick. And for us as a trans person who's gone through bottom surgery, the tip of your penis is where um, most of the sensation lays. The pump is essentially what the cis men use when they have erectile dysfunction and they want to be able to have some intimacy. Um, It's the same device. If you imagine like like a hot dog, right? And you, take like a long straw and you bend it and mm-hmm. then that's you shove that into the hot dog and there's a wire that comes out uh into like a grape size uh pump and there's a reservoir that attached to it um so you want the one of the pump goes in one of your sack and the other one you get like a prosthetic like you know silicone pumps and then silicone balls i guess yeah all of that is interesting so i'm gonna ask like a super personal question and like feel free to not answer it or don't (laughs) answer it orgasming like what does it look like to like have an orgasm it's a lot more intense it's very intense um it's it's shorter than prior to um surgery but i still can climax i still can you know get off a lot of people, most of the guys that come across my page, and that's the first thing they ask me is like, can you feel? I'm like, yes, I can feel because Dr. Jordan literally stands there for like hours and connects your nerves together. So I have all the sensation in the world. I can feel everything. Um, I am about, I'm coming up on a year. Um, I still cannot feel the hot water on my penis when I get in the shower, but I can feel when I'm having sex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, shout out to Dr. Jordan for putting all your nerves <laughs> together back there. No, because I think like that's, so I'm I'm a PhD student and I, I'm a super sex nerd. And so I think like that's the thing that like with all of my research um, around like bottom surgery, they talk about like how it helps with gender dysphoria and um, even like body dysmorphia, but they never like talk about like pleasure and like what it feels like to have sex after bottom surgery and is it pleasurable? Um, So, and I think like that's an important thing that needs to be talked about and needs to be studied as well. Um, So that is why I asked that question. So thank you for answering that for me. Of course. And to be honest with you, completely honest, um, mm-hmm. The first time having sex after bottom surgery is weird. <laughs> I imagine it is. 
<laughs> in a good way. It's weird in a good way because like I from from having, you know, using a strap on to having one that's not strapped but it's like attached to you and you're like, How do I do this? Like and then when you start feeling it, it's like, Oh shit, this is what it feels like. Yeah. Again, like thank you for sharing like that journey and then like after like you have your pumps and your rod um placed what else happens like what's the the rest of the the surgery stages look like or the the Uh, five years after the after the pump uh it's pretty much checkup uh the first couple months is going to be very crucial because sometimes the body rejects the prosthetics mm-hmm. uh so she has to monitor you pretty closely i'm not quite sure how often but based on the surgery that i've had with her the initial phalloplasty i saw if not both of my surgeon then one of them almost every week for at least three months that's that's a long time to like go into the hospital and like i keep stressing that it's a long time and like this i appreciate you walking everyone through the process because you know this is not something this is a lot of work and like people feel like you know you are choosing this and like this is not how you were born and like can you speak to that and this is not something i would wish on my worst enemy yeah um a lot of people ask me like well you 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 want it to be a boy so you have to deal with this i was like it's not it's not, it's not that i want to be like I have to go through this to, it's like a life and death for me, you know, if I couldn't, I don't know how much longer I would have lasted in my old body. Can you speak a little bit more about that? When, before I started medically transitioned, I hadn't gotten very depressed and I just, every time I would take a shower and I would look at my body and I would see my breasts and I would see my bottom half and I was just like, this is not, I cannot be doing this for the rest of my life. Like there has to be a way that I can feel at home in my yeah. body. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something that I, I can do. And if it was a matter of insurance, then, you know, let, let it be it. And then the next day I called my insurance company, which was Blue Cross Blue Shield at the time. And I was like, what do you cover? Yeah. Like, I am going through this. Like, what can I do? Because I cannot live like this. And... It took a couple minutes and like, oh, we do uh, top surgery and oh, also we cover bottom surgery, like phalloplasty, if that's what you want. I was like, okay, cool. I'll call my surgeon. You got it. Yes. Shouts <laughs> yeah. out to Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, yeah. Mostly, mainly. Insurance did something right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I – I do feel like, so like, do you feel more at home at, um, in your body now, or like, do you still experience, um, any type of dysmorphia or anything like that? I do feel like body, sorry. I still do feel, um, it's not necessarily my chest or my bottom. It's more like my stomach area where, you know, as, as a woman, your body is shaped almost like an hourglass mm-hmm. <clears throat> and me being, um, Asian and small to begin with, I still can see like the outline of it a little bit. So to deal with that, if I'm having a bad day with dysphoria, I would get dressed in my shower where the mirror stops a little below my chest. Yeah. Um, 
but gender dysphoria is not there anymore. It was there before I had sex after surgery, but afterwards, um, I don't really have that anymore. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. That is that is good. I am very happy that you are not experiencing that and like you feel more at home in in your body. So what advice would you give to someone who is struggling with their gender identity, uh, thinking about transitioning, um, things like that? If you are thinking about transitioning or even questioning yourself, just kind of reach out to uh, talk to a therapist, do your research. There's a lot of people out there nowadays with, you know, TikTok, YouTube. Um, talk to someone who's going through it or has gone through it that could help you understand what you're feeling because that's what I felt like at the time that no one understood how I was feeling. I was going through this all alone, but then I realized there's a lot more people out there that felt the same way as I did, and that helped a lot. And yeah. do your research. If if surgery is what you're looking for and surgery is what you want, do a thorough research. Check your surgeons. Check with the insurance company. Check everything just to make sure I have a backup surgeon. I have two surgeons. Like like I told you, like, I'm very thorough when it comes to my care because this is my life on the line, right? Yeah, for sure. So I have two therapists. And I make sure I had two, and I make sure that I had one that specializes in trans and transitioning so that they understand what I'm going through. And I also, luckily, one of my my backup surgeon is also trans, so she can relate to my struggles. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely important. And I do appreciate what you said is to not only do your research and like find people who are going through the same thing or similar experiences as you, but advocating for yourself and advocating for your health and really being thorough and doing the research when it comes to surgery and finding affirming therapists who know how to work with you and know how to like help you through this journey because it's, it's, a lot to go through on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have an awesome YouTube. Um, can you tell people about your YouTube channel? Um, yeah. So I decided to document um, my journey. Just it, I started with me just documenting my own journey. It wasn't like thinking of putting it out there for people to see. But I was like, you know what? Screw it. Why not? Because I feel like if I had someone explaining what they're going through in the process, it would ease me a little bit into it because I would constantly think about the what ifs and I didn't have the answer to my questions. So I started making it. I I made a different variety of videos. I talk about name changes. I talk about insurance and how to get the cover. I talk about how you can cover your hospital bills after surgery because uh, the hospital do help with that um, <clears throat> those type of things and then I also step by step uh, of each surgery that I'm going through or I went through 
and the ups and the downs, you know, because I feel like people need to see that too. Yeah, I that is like what I appreciate it um, about you um, when I was stalking your profile and um, <laughs> on the on and I did find like your YouTube. Um, that was something that I really really appreciated was how honest you were about the whole process because that takes a lot of vulnerability and a lot of courage to be honest, because like I said, when we spoke earlier, like not every, well, everyone isn't entitled to your story and you don't have to share it, but you did. And I think that is just really, really dope. And it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah. If anybody wants to, I mean, if anyone who's listening would like to check it out or um, get in touch with me and have some questions, I can answer them. It doesn't really matter how intimate they are because I feel like those questions needs to be asked anyways. Um, if surgery is on their mind, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm open to answer any type of questions. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, that is amazing. And especially like you as a trans man of color. And I think like that's also pretty amazing too, that you kind of get to be not like the face, but just a face of someone who has gone through this process and you are a person of color and you are living your life and you are at a place where you feel home and your body so i think that that gives people hope too thank you can you let people know where they can reach you find you yeah so i have snapchat i have instagram i have tiktok um they all have the same handle name which is triple j 11 is t r i p l the number three letter j and number 11. yes I encourage anybody who is listening, who has any questions or is in a place where they are struggling or contemplating um, surgery or just transitioning or anything like that to reach out to him. Um, as you can see, he is very honest. He described <laughs> bottom surgery and like how big his penis size is on a podcast, which I am here for. So. <laughs> 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 so nothing's <laughs> off limits now. No. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show today. All right, sexperts, that's a wrap for today's episode of Sex and Color. Don't forget that I am now part of the Alive Podcast Network and you can subscribe for ad-free listing. New episodes drop every Tuesday and you can also follow me wherever you get your podcasts. Also, follow me on Instagram at Melanin Sex Therapy. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Adriel, and this has been Sex and Color.